For this episode, instead of recording using Zencaster, we used Zoom. Hello, my name is Rena Stengalini, and I'm a runner at White Plains High School. This podcast is an insider's look at my team. For each episode, we'll run through practices and meets. You'll be introduced to the coaches and other athletes. This is The Runaround with Rena. So welcome to Rena's Runaround. This time, I'm Abby. I'm the new host for today. And today, we are welcoming Rena. Hi, Rena. Hi, Abby. So today, we are talking about Rena's running experience, some kind of Q&A. I know it's a little bit different from what she usually does, but it's going to be great nevertheless. It so, will be. Why don't we start? So I separated my different questions into three different tiers. Rena already knows this, but let's start with the first level, which is personal questions. So what got you into running? So I don't mean to sound like cliche with this, but like it's kind of always, I've always just liked running in Church Street on the playground at recess. I would kind of just like, you know, run. And in gym class, I'm sure you know, because we went to the same elementary school, they would line up the girls on one side and the boys on one side. And for gym, we have to start off with laps around the gym. And I always liked that because I'd catch up to the boys and start passing them, even though they were on the other side of the gym. And it was just kind of fun. So I did a clinic with the White Plains City that they hosted. It's still going. It's like, you know, an eight-week clinic. It's twice a week. And I did that, and I really liked it. And so one of the, like, counselors, I guess you'd call him, the person who's in charge, he kind of encouraged me to join Future Stars. And that's kind of then where I started competing. So So I know you haven't seen previous episodes. I went to the same elementary school as Rena, and I also went to the same club team with her future stars as she has mentioned so how was your experience with future stars so it was it was good i liked it because it opened me up to the world of competitive running so as a sixth grader or fifth grader actually i kind of that's when i kind of started um end of fifth grade and then all of sixth grade i wasn't really ready for the competitive running that you know was with future stars So I didn't compete in as many meets as, like, I think I only competed in two, honestly. So I didn't compete in many. But it was good. It built, I had built a very strong sprint endurance space. And I have to say, if I never ran Future Stars, I would probably be running long distance for track. Like, I'd be running the 1500 and then the 32,000. Not 30, wait. (laughs) 32,000, you would be running for a while. We would be, yeah. That would be, yeah, that would be long. That would be long. I don't even know how many miles that is, but that is long. We'll have to search it up later. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The 3,000. So, yeah, but they kind of built, like, my sprint endurance space and, like, my speed so that when I was able to um, come into the high school, I was able to run mid-distance and not just long distance. Mm Mm-hmm. And I explored long jump with them, and that was really cool because I like long jump. I don't do it now, but I like. I did it in middle school, and I really liked it. And I just, I don't know, I liked long jump, and it was fun to, you know, do the exercises and do long jump with future stars. So yeah, right. And I just wanted to add, I had a very similar experience. I joined Future Stars Club, kind of not knowing much about the sport, track and field, because then again, it was my one of my first sports I committed to. And so I highly encourage joining Future Stars if you're not already at the high school level, because not only does it help create a base for your running, but it introduces you to different events. So I know when I started out, I started out with the 55, then slowly, (laughs) slowly but surely I got um, up to the 400, the 800, the 1500, and even 3000, which I do now at the high school. But I also did field events. I did shot put, I did (laughs) high jump, and I also did long jump. Was I good at them? No, (laughs) but it was still a great experience. However, I do have to say that if you are coming to the high school, and you're going to be competing with the high school, it's not the best idea to be doing, especially if you're doing long distance, to do both teams at the same time. Because not only, so when, I talk, when I'm talking about competitive running, they're, they're both up there, they're both competitive, and they're both pretty demanding on your body. So if you think about 
going to practice for the high school and then having to go to practice after that, it might be too much for you, but it also depends on you. I know I had to drop future stars for the high school. It was my personal choice, but in the end, it's all up to you. So yeah. I also, I did short distance. I did the 200, the 400, and the 800. So I mean, I was kind of in middle distance, but I was on the shorter end. Um, but yeah, I dropped future stars going into seventh grade where I started running with my school for cross country, my middle school. I've never personally had the experience of running like both teams at the same time, but it's definitely, both teams would definitely take both out of you. So yeah, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How would you describe your transition to the high school? Okay. So if we're talking about non-running for a little bit, and then we'll transition into running. It was good. Academically wise, it was great because my, I was very lucky. My science teacher just gave drops, like handed it out left and right. And drops are just like, you know, study halls that aren't like, they're scheduled in, but you know, they just cancel class kind of. It's scheduled, but they cancel it. But, um, I don't know how to explain it. It was very hard when he first explained what drops were to us. But it's basically they cancel class. And it's a scheduled every eight days you get a cancel class. But he would cancel it pretty much every four days. And then some days he would have a meeting or he just wouldn't come in. So it's probably about, you know, ten times a month I wouldn't have class. Which is a lot. So I had amazing drops. And then my first period teacher was very relaxed. And it was a good class. So I had time to do other work. So I got stuff done. I didn't have to have a study hall. Sophomore year, this year, I had to have a study hall. I just felt like I needed it, and I did. So junior year going in, I'm going to have a study hall. And it was nice knowing socially, because running with the girls preseason was great, because I got to know them. So when I came into school the first day, like, I had people to eat lunch with. You know, I knew upperclassmen, so it was nice. And the freedom. Let me just say, the high school is so much more, like, lax than the middle school. Like, I could walk around eating my lunch whenever I wanted, or a snack whenever I wanted. I could go to my locker at any time of the day. So it was nice having that freedom. You know, and with freedom comes the responsibility of, you know, it just comes with responsibility. There's more stuff to be responsible about. Yeah, I walked the building with a friend beforehand, so I knew where all my classes were. So if you're coming into the high school, like, that's a good thing. I mean... It's very uncertain about the fall now, but if we are going back into school and they do let kids in the building before school starts, walk the building, find the classes, do it with upperclassmen or do it with a freshman that's coming in and you both try to find them classes without knowing where they are. Um, but just walk the building if you can. Find where your locker is, determine if that's a good place to put your stuff. Because some people don't use their lockers, but I had a locker in a good place, so I just used it a lot. And... Let's see. The classes were fine. It was a good transition for me. So yeah. So that was my non-running, like, academic and social thing. Transitioning to high school for running was a little bit harder for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, I was very, very out of shape. I think in a previous episode, I mentioned I had just come back from a trip from Kyrgyzstan. So, like, I was jet-lagged. It was different food, so I was still getting used to American food. I was dehydrated all the time. Um, so I was still getting back to, like, running and everything. So I honestly was ready to quit, like, the first week. And, like, if you know me, I love cross-country. Like, I fell in love with cross-country in seventh grade, and I loved it ever since. And I, I love it more than track just because, like, the team and the cohesiveness, and I just love cross-country. So for me to think about quitting was, like, a big thing because I just didn't feel good. So, but I pushed through that. I got through that, and, like, you know, I'm still running it. So <laughs> something went right. So eventually I got over, you know, I got into shape. And I'd say the second hardest thing about transitioning into high school for running was, I think you mentioned it too, Abby, when we did the episode transitioning to high school, was, like, you're not the fastest at the high school. Like, it's such a weird concept. And I was, I was just mentioned to one of my friends, and I was like, you know, because in eighth grade for cross country, it was one girl, Marie, and then it was me. And I was always second. Like, there was, it wasn't like a long... Like, I wasn't, like, fifth fastest. I was second fastest. So I was used to being, you know, at the front of the pack, leading races and stuff. So to come to high school where it's like, okay, I'm not the fastest on my team, and I'm not the fastest in competitions, it was just a little weird. So trying to figure out where do I put, how do I move up in a race, you know, race strategy, and just, you know, adjusting to that transition. Okay, so this question is a little more for the present. So... How are you coping with quarantine? Because I know the experience is way different for everyone. It is. I would say, so I have benefits with quarantine, and I also have, you know, drawbacks. So for quarantine for me, distance learning actually worked out well for me. 
I didn't have to go to any in-class Zooms, which was nice. And then I just, I liked working at my own pace. So for like math, I would take a little bit longer than what I would, what class would be. But then for like history, I'd kind of like speed through it. So it, it allowed me to adjust my schedule so that whatever worked best for me, I could do. And so I liked that. And I also had a lot of time to research colleges and kind of get head started on that. So a lot of college and recruiting stuff I've been doing over quarantine. But I've also, um, and I've also started the podcast too. So that was, it was great that I had extra time to do that. But I kind of struggled with feeling productive because it's kind of hard when you're not going to school every day. You're not going to practice every day. It's kind of like, you know, you don't have tangible things to do. Like everything I'm submitting is online. And even then that kind of felt like busy work. So I kind of struggled with feeling productive and, you know, just being productive too, because now I don't have a schedule to wake up. Like I don't have to wake up at 6am anymore, but you know, then it also leads my sleep schedule to be off, and then, you know, I don't wake up early, I go to bed late, and so just staying on the schedule, being routine, making sure I get out there and doing my runs, you know, that was harder without the structure of school. Yeah, I just wanted to add on to my experience, because I do agree that distance learning did work out really well for me. Obviously, it also depends on your household, and it also depends on the resources that you have, but personally, I thought I I took it really well. I say it was really hard for me the last week of school, that last week of work, because all my teachers assigned all of their final projects that week. And so I was very, very stressed out. And it was it was hard because it threw me off completely because I would be barely sleeping. I would like, you know, that kind of stress where you forget that you're hungry and you just don't eat anything but obviously at the end of the week I was relieved I got everything done I was pretty happy about that but at the beginning of quarantine like Rena said I did have some drawbacks as well as some pros but I, I like as happy as I was I I couldn't see us being out of school for so long so I was like oh it's gonna be like a week or two break it's gonna be nice and be chill no so as you can see now I haven't gone back to school since which kind of hit me hard with my schedule in the beginning I did have a set schedule I was waking up relatively early at like 7 45 I would run and then I would do my work but then I fell out of that as quarantine continued and again with this kind of feeling productive getting things done was kind of harder especially for running for school, I because I had deadlines, I felt like I did have a schedule and a structure. But for running, I want to say it was kind of secondary to, I guess, my schoolwork during this time, especially because it's my eighth grade year. And although it's not really anything like a senior, I mean, I am transitioning to a higher grade level and a different school. So I was kind of prioritizing that. And then I don't know. It was just, it was really hard mentally because I was always, it was always at the back of my head thinking, oh, I'm going to have to take another day off because I have, I want to do all this work today and I want to be productive at school today, which was kind of hard because I don't know my position compared to other people at the moment. But then again, I couldn't really beat it on myself because this is like totally unexpected. There's a pandemic and how am I supposed to really try and compare myself and kind of, I guess you can say compete with other people when there's not really anything to be competing against. So yeah, that was my little input. It wasn't so little, but (laughs) yeah. It's all good. Yeah, definitely the same thing with me. Like running so at the beginning of quarantine you know you're still in the school mindset so I was still running you know I was still going out doing the workouts and everything and I kind of fell off from that you know what I mean like I would go out once or twice a week instead of five times a week um because as you said it was just so easy to push it off like it wasn't we didn't have a structured time in our day like okay everybody's gonna come here and run like we didn't have that it was very easy to be like 
next day, next day, next day, or I need a day off and type of thing. And we do need days off, but it was also kind of like, you know, we have to have that structured time. And even, even with my violin practicing, like I used to practice every day during the school week when school was in session, just to practice because I had orchestra during the day and lessons, but now it's kind of like, oh, that's secondary. So like, you know, I might be consumed with something else rather than that. So it's easy. It's very easy to see how our schedules unravel without school in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of just my last input, but it's kind of hard for me even now to kind of get back into the role of things because especially because our coaches recently put out kind of summer training plans. I find myself a lot substituting workouts for, say, different things. Like yesterday, I did something totally out of the blue, like I did a boxing class instead of run, or I pushed runs, well, certain runs from the beginning of the week to the weekend, so it kind of switches my schedule around a little bit. I am still really active, but if I want to, if I could count all the different rest days and the different substitutions I've made, I've probably taken over like way over a month of actual rest days this entire quarantine, which is okay. I probably needed it, but just mentally just thinking about that is really hard. Yeah, I have to say I've done, you know, I've this week I didn't run Monday, so my whole schedule is being shifted Tuesday to Saturday instead of Monday to Friday. Oh, yeah, what I want to say was quarantine socially. I didn't write that down, so I forgot to mention it. But socially, just not seeing everyone. You know, I don't think we realize how much just being social, like, you know, impacts you. Because, like, you know, like, over the screen is nice, too, but it's nice to be there in person with someone. And, you know, just going on runs alone is hard to fill the 45-minute runs we have to do. Every minute, I just glance at my watch when I'm running because it's like it just feels forever with nobody like running with you. And like even when we were in practice, we might not talk during the run, but just running beside someone, it made it less boring. So that's also a difficulty. Right. And especially with everyone's different schedules, it's kind of hard to communicate even over the screen because you can't expect people to kind of be available when you are available, which is really hard. And I think that was one of my main struggles and how it like mentally impacted me because I'm, I like to say I'm a pretty bubbly person. So it's kind of hard when you kind of rely on like communication and being social to kind of ease your mind and help you calm down in certain situations. Or if you, if something really great happened that day, you it's kind of hard. I mean, I always have my sisters and my parents, but it's not really the same because my sisters and my parents are always there for me. And it's kind of like maybe a different perspective that's kind of hard. But hopefully it, we're going to open back soon and I could, this could be a thing of the past, but even that is uncertain. Okay. So honestly, that like that's a very important topic to discuss for like quarantine, how, how people are doing, what to expect. So like for any of your viewers, any of Rena's podcast years, I would highly encourage just like reaching out to someone, like even if it's not discussing how you guys were like mentally and physically, I just highly encourage just like saying hello because you never know how the other person is really doing because we can't see each other on a day-to-day basis. So it really helps when someone reaches out to you, especially if that person typically reaches out themselves, it feels really good to have a different person reach out to them than them reach out to you. I know it's kind of hard to imagine because there's so many them, you, and all that stuff um, and all of those things, but it does really help. It does. So I'm going to transition to our second level of questions, which are thoughts on said subjects and I put that in parentheses <laughs> so I put down I wrote down here that it's been brought up many times that in the female running community that girls even pro runners struggle with their body image their weight and as I mentioned earlier comparison with other runners do you have any experience you would like to share with these things yeah so I have personally never struggled with body image but I have struggled with the things that people who struggle with body image deal with. So the two big things specifically for me are um, nutrition and weight. So I guess I'll start off with nutrition first. So for me, when I was younger, like I didn't really grasp the idea of nutrition very well. 
I don't think I heard the word protein until the spring of my 8th grade season. So I wasn't very eating nutritiously. Like, my dad has a rule, like, every night we have dinner, we have one serving of vegetables. So I always got, like, my vegetables in. But, like, beyond that, like, I didn't know how to fuel for a race. Like, I was like, oh, I'll just eat a bagel or Cheerios or whatever. Like, carbs, I'll carb up, I'll eat pasta. So for me, eating right and eating healthy was a big thing for me. Another thing was not skipping meals. You mentioned it before. It's very easy sometimes when we're caught up in things to just kind of run out the door without breakfast or not get something at the cafeteria at school. And so probably eighth grade, I wasn't like eating consistently and it definitely showed in my workouts that like I was I was getting slower, I was getting more lethargic. So we kind of had to rethink like what I was eating, you know, what nutrients I needed because, you know, as a runner, you need more nutrients than normal people. So you have to make sure you get that extra nutrition. So that was important for me. And even it's still something now that I deal with, like preseason this year for cross country or last year, I guess, I got these really bad headaches after I had run practice. And like that never happened to me before. And we thought it was a concussion, but we went to Mike, the trainer, and he was saying, you know, it's because you don't have enough nutrients. I needed to have more sugar because I was using all all that up. And, you know, it gave me this really bad headache afterwards. And so I'm, I've been getting better. Like this year is probably the best year I've ever had with nutrition. Like I probably ate breakfast every day at school, didn't skip lunch. I knew like refueling after workouts and after races, you know, I knew how to like make sure I got the right nutrients, whether I had a race afterwards or just that was the last race of the day. So that was, I've been getting good at that, been making sure I'm eating healthier, you know, more fruits and veggies better carbs you know they say like the high and low gi carbs so making sure i get the right types of carbs and protein and fiber and all the stuff needed so that was so that was something i struggled with was nutrition so in you know i guess tandem with nutrition is weight so i always struggled in reaching a healthy weight so my middle school coaches they can always tell, you know, when I visit them in the high school, they see me in the hall. Like, they can always tell if I've lost weight because, you know, for me, it shows. So I've always had to make sure that I get enough nutrients so that my weight doesn't drop to an unhealthy weight type of thing. And it's not so much because of my body image, but it's more because of my lack of attention to my nutrition. So that was always something, like, I had to make sure, you know, I got enough supplements. Like, my doctor would tell me, you know, you got to eat something extra at night, something small like protein to make sure I get to stay at a healthy weight. So yeah, I haven't struggled with body image, but I've struggled with nutrition and weight. So just again, adding my experience, mine was a little bit different as it is with every other runner. But for me, it wasn't so much weight because I knew weight could have so many factors to it. It can be muscle, which is heavier than fat and also more compact. I learned that in health in like sixth grade, but it does still apply now and it will always apply. But for me, it was a lot more nutrition and body image. So I want to say last year, the beginning of last year, I was still kind of like unconscious to what nutrition was. (laughs) Like my my pre-workout fuel was either candy, chips, or something of that, something like that. And I guess, especially when I was younger, I guess I could say I could get away with it because I didn't feel like anything wrong until last year. <laughs> last year, that was some, that was like an eye opener because my races, even in my workouts, like I wasn't really improving. I was staying in the middle or the back of the pack and it wasn't really, it wasn't the best experience. Like, meets to me, if I could get away with, like, skipping a meet or, like, not go to a meet, I think I would be really happy with that, which is kind of sad because, like, you want to be excited. You want to be amped up for a race. And then I want to say towards the middle of last year, I started to think more about my body and how I was eating. So, yes, I was eating healthier, but I was also, like, in my mind, I was prepping for running camp because with running camp you're exposed to so many different runners there's people there who's who've gone to Foot Locker, NXN, 
and major events like that. And then again, when you're surrounded by all those runners, you kind of have, well, at least for me, I had the mentality of wanting to fit in with the group, whatever that meant. I don't know if it was just appearance, if it was speed, but then I started to go a little bit crazy with my like nutrition. So it's, then again, it's that finding that balance where you're not taking away from the drawing, like drawing back from the experience, but you're adding to it. You're like enhancing your experience. So I guess you could say I was going a little bit crazy with the foods I was eating. I was restricting. And then at the end of the day, I think I would go on a little bit of a binge and I am not a health professional. I do not want to put any like dietary claims on this. But at the end of the day, it was not something for me. I mean, I would be eating leaves, literally leaves, <laughs> every single day. I want to say at least, if not breakfast, then lunch and dinner every single day. I wouldn't eat anything processed, which in a way is good. But if you're, if you did it like me, I would always have like my meals weren't that substantial. Like I would be hungry half an hour later, but I wouldn't care because I would be prepping for running camp and so then I started seeing an unhealthy drop in my weight and although I didn't really weigh myself too often I noticed like in one week I think I dropped I want to say 98 to maybe 89 pounds in a week which was really bad and then again it was my body image too because as my friends know I'm not the tallest person nor am I the skinniest most petite person so it's kind of that thing because when I see all these professional runners these girls at such high levels they're skinny they're skinny and they have like defined muscle maybe their thighs don't touch I don't know but it's these it was these little things that I was really bothered about myself so I know this is kind of a touchy subject for a lot of people because a lot of female runners experience this. But at the end of the day, like even now, I kind of struggle with that. I kind of struggle with like my appearance. And it's especially during quarantine when you have so much time to think, it really hurt. It really hurt. But even now, uh, I'm trying not to think about it. I'm still kind of recovering from that. I kind of went into this phase of like not working out, eating too much or eating unhealthy foods and then kind of going back and restricting and kind of, it's trying to find that balance. And although it's the, the journey is never perfect. I'm just going to tell you now, like just even becoming healthier, there's always there, you can always have too much of something. Too much of something is never good. So yeah, it's just something I wanted to share. It's very some very important information to me, but as long as people are aware of it, I feel like it can be prevented, especially because I know a lot of people have heard about the story with Mary Kane and with the Nike Oregon Project, and that was really eye-opening to me because especially with pro runners, you don't expect something like this to happen. But um, I just want to say that nobody is in this by themselves because who knows, the runner right next to you in the race could have experienced the exact same thing. It's just, it's up to how we deal with it and how we choose to improve ourselves that really kind of makes that impact. But yeah, that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. It's no problem. It's something that we as a running community definitely don't talk about, and it's something that we probably should, you know, as a team. Because as you said, you know, you never know, somebody beside you might be thinking of the same thing. And, you know, coming together to talk it out definitely helps with everything. And it was interesting, I was I was talking to my aunt a while ago, she's a runner, and I don't get to see her a lot because they live out in Idaho, so I was talking to her, and I was kind of like, you know, talking to her like, what makes people fast? Because I was like, you know, some people look fast, but they aren't fast, or some people don't look fast, and they are fast. Looks aren't everything for running, you know? Like, you could look one way, and then you could perform on the track, like, way differently, and I think... You know, everybody kind of has what works for their body. Everybody's body has a type of look. Not exactly look, but they have, everybody's body has like an optimal, you know, performance state. And for everybody, that kind of looks different. Like for some people, they might look, you know, more muscular. Or others might be just as muscular, but they, you know, fail to build the look of the muscle. So I think it's also a thing of, you know, just looking at the track results and just being proud of where you've come. So going on to the second question within this kind of region, 
do you think your where you live, where your state, plays a role in your chances with being selected into a D1 college for track or cross country? Because I know for me, New York is a very, very competitive cross-country state. <laughs> very competitive. I mean, we have Caitlin Tui, we have tons of runners within the state that just amp up the competition. So I want to see your input on that. Yeah, so that was an interesting question. Um, I had to think very hard about that for a little while. So, you know, I started the recruiting process, and I've been talking to some coaches, and short answer is yes. I think it does help with the success of recruiting because coaches know that you're used to competition. You're used to like being, you know, up there or not up there, but competing with people who are like top notch, you know, definitely like very fast. So they know you're ready for that competition when you come into college. I mean, it's not the same high school to college competition, but you know, you've had some experience running with the big people, you know, and the fact that we're able to go to Lauks and that our school takes us 10 relays every year, you know, those bigger meets, that kind of, you know, shows them that you are familiar with that level of competition. Short or long answer, I guess, is it's also, it's also harder to get recruited too, because you're out there with a whole bunch of girls who are like crazy fast. And so you kind of might get overshadowed by those people at the same time. So that was also kind of like, you know, thinking about that because the D1s will, you know, scoop up those girls first and then, you know, the rest of us are kind of sitting there. That was the thing. But you also have to consider that not all D1s are like the typical pro, like Penn State or Notre Dame type of like, you know, powerhouses. I was going to, let's see, um, I took a college tour at Hofstra and their track program is a fairly new track program. And so they're still building it up. So like it would be, but like right now it's kind of small team. You might be able to get in there and run for a D1 school and still get running time. Like, most D1s are pretty much out of my reach, you know, they're very competitive, very elite, but there's a couple of D1s, if you kind of go out there and search for it, um, there's a couple of D1s that have smaller teams, and it's, they're in a less competitive conference, and so you might actually be able to get onto a D1 school, and then still have a scholarship to run there, and still be able to have running time. It's just, you know, for D1s, you know, doing your research, you might also want to look at NCCAA. I think it's the National Christian Collegiate Athlete Association. Don't quote me on what the acronym stands for because I don't remember. But, you know, you could take a look at them because they will also adhere to the NCAA guidelines and stuff. But then they're a smaller, you know, group of colleges. So you might also have a chance to go to a kind of NCCAA D1 school and still kind of considered D1 for NCA. So it's all about, you know, doing your research, you know, looking, going to the websites, the school websites, looking at, you know, the stats of the teams, talking to the coaches, like some of the big D1s will post their standards online. So that's always helpful to know. A lot of colleges don't, but, you know, just taking a look at like what times the girls run is also a good thing to you know, look at. Right. I just wanted to kind of put a perspective because I last year, as I mentioned, I went to a running camp and it was Princeton running camp if I hadn't mentioned the name already. And we got to talk to different people from who actually went to a D1 college for cross country at Princeton. And it kind of boggled me a little bit because they even mentioned it themselves and I'm not trying to kind of like make a solid statement about this because it is it really depends on the college and it also depends on your performance mainly on how you get selected but and it's not not really about your environment if you like if you push yourself enough beyond what say your coaches give you or if you have a hard work ethic but they said that they won states in Alabama and then they got into a D1 college and then it's they also said that in Alabama it's not really and I nothing about Alabama I don't really know much about the state so they just I'm just kind of reciting what I remember about what they said but they said that it wasn't really a cross-country state. So, like, every time they would win states, like, every year. So, I guess it's kind of different 
especially kind of living in more competitive states like New York or California or Colorado, where I guess it's more competitive and it's more, I don't want to say cream of the crop, but it's kind of like that, especially if you're, I don't know, like coming, say, top 10 at, at meets, like, where do we have, like, state qualifiers for cross-country? Bowdoin. Bowdoin. At Bowdoin Park, especially if you always come, like, top 10 or top 5 at Bowdoin Park. That's insane. So, yeah, on to the third level questions, which is our advice section. Do you have any advice for people going into the high school, whether it be educational or, like, athletic, academic? So, yeah. So, I guess we'll start with the academic type of thing. So, for me, time management was key. But I found that something, like, critical for me because um, I have, you know, extracurriculars with running and music and jobs during the school year. So, making sure I have time to do my schoolwork um, was a big thing for me. So, I would say, so for people who feel like they might need a study hall, I would say just take it. Like, colleges aren't going to hate you for taking a study hall at all. And you also have to think, you know, a class that you might want to take that's, like, an extra AP and you're taking it just because it's an AP. Like, colleges do limit the amount of credit you can take going into college. So, some colleges will cap it. Like, I had a college that will cap it at 18 credits, while others might cap it at 90. So, thinking about that, you might not want to load up on APs and honors classes. And you might just want to drop something. Like, if you really don't like the class, don't take it. Felt like I needed the study hall. So, if you feel like you need a study hall, take one. That's my advice. Time management's key. Take advantage of your drops, as I mentioned before. You know, just do work. Get stuff done so that when you go home, you have less. Like, especially if you're an athlete coming in, the practices are going to be longer. And I think a lot of people don't take into account you need the sleep. Like, it's easy to, you know, stay up till, like, midnight, wake up at 6, but that just shows it hurts your performance as an athlete and as a student during the day. So you want to make sure you get into bed and get enough sleep. So maybe having that study hall to kind of take time out of your day to get some work done so you don't have to do it at home, that's what I would suggest. I mean, a study hall doesn't isn't for everyone. Like, I know some people don't have study halls, and that's great, and they're taking APs and honors class, and that's... That's awesome. They're an athlete and they're involved and that's amazing. So if you don't need one, don't you don't have to take one. But I, my suggestion is as an athlete and as someone who's got a lot of stuff, you know, just take one. It doesn't hurt you. Okay, it will more help you than hurt you. As for running, so my biggest thing was to stick with it. So my running advice was to stick with it because my first week of preseason cross country, I was ready to quit. And if I quit, I probably would be very unhappy with myself. I would definitely be very unhappy with myself. I'd regret my decision. So, like, don't quit. Hang in there, and if you really feel like it's not for you, then don't pursue it. But hang in there and give it a chance before you kind of say no. Let's see. Ice injuries. I think coming to the high school, not to scare anybody, you might get some injuries. You know, it's making sure that you prevent the injuries first by, you know, stretching, warming up correctly, cooling down correctly. But then it's also when you do get an injury, making sure you treat it and take care of it well, which is something I too struggle with. Very easy for me to toss that aside like, oh, I just forgot to ice my foot today when I needed it. So making sure you take the time to slap an ice pack on a hurting shin or going to the trainer to see what he says, that's important. And then lastly, I would say give yourself a break when you need it. As athletes, we kind of tend to, we tend to shy away from having rest. And it's funny because we always joke around, like, when we are running, we want to get out of running. But the second we're out of running, we want to get back into running. But, you know, when when you have the time to take that rest, just take it. Because you might get run out, like, burnt, not run out, burned out. Like, my freshman year, I got very burned out. Like, it was probably halfway through every season, I was like, okay, I'm calling it quits. Like, I'm done running. Of course, I didn't call it quits, but I kind of hung in through the rest of the season. But it's not a nice feeling when you're kind of just hanging in there just to hang in there, and you're not actually running because you want to run. So take that time for that physical, and also, even more importantly, the mental rest. Because if you don't take that rest, you might end up hating running. And that you just don't want to do something. You don't want to turn something that you love into something that you hate. So just take that rest and, you know, take time to rest and recharge. And if you feel like 
before the season's done that you need time to rest and recharge like talk to a coach because they know they definitely know because I think coach Smith mentioned it in one of the episodes with her like they know how it feels to be burned out and to be kind of done with running so if you need time to kind of take time off from competition like let them know talk to them about it like come to an agreement but rest and recharge it won't hurt your physical ability because I was I was doing research when I went to Italy because I knew I wouldn't be able to run. So, like, you know, I'm losing all this fitness. Like, I'm not training at all. But I was reading, like, the more fit you are, the less fitness you'll lose. And even then, 7 to 14 days is when you'll start to lose your aerobic capacity type of thing. So, if you are if you take more than a week off of running, it might show. But a week, a couple days is not going to hurt you that much. So, just take the time. That's That would be my advice for going into high school. And... I know you were talking about different events or your, the different races as a part of your advice. I, I just wanted to add that then again, if someone's race, you, you can't really compare someone's best race to your own because it could be different for everyone. Say maybe cross country or long distance isn't really your thing. And it may, it may not be your event. And the only way to know that is to try different events try different events even in track maybe even if you're typically a maybe a miler or if you do the 1500 try the 3000 that's what I did (laughs) that's what I did and hey I did not hate it maybe even try the 800 I haven't done it myself but I know Rena runs the 800 and if I'm correct she likes the event (laughs) and so (laughs) so so yeah, just be open to different events because you might be better at say the 800 than the 1500 or the mile, but it just takes that little bit of courage or bravery to kind of go out of something that you're not so comfortable with to figure out that, oh, this is something that I'm really good at, so I'm going to keep on working at it. So it's kind of like that. Yeah. And I'd say, you know, talk to the coaches too about that. I know when I first started in the high school track, they immediately put me into the thousand. And that's that's my event now. That's my main event now. So in the end, it all worked out. But I have to say probably the first month of racing, I was like, the thousand isn't for me. Like, let's try the six. So I tried the six and I was like, the six is not for me. So it's kind of like, you know, finding trial and error, like trying out new distances, maybe going up in distance or down distance and sticking with a distance too, because probably now I could run the 600 because I run the thousand and I run the four. So the si- and the, I run the eight. So the six is kind of in the middle, but you know, stick with it just a little bit. And cause the, you might hate an event first because you're out of shape while you're running it. Like that was why I hated the thousand when I started running it. Cause I was terribly out of shape and I was like, this doesn't feel good. But once I got into shape, I was like, okay, I kind of like the thousand. But always just try new things because sometimes coaches might throw you into um, events that you might not usually run. Like Abby, you were saying, you know, the 3000, I got thrown into a 15 once and I've only ever run that in middle school. I've never gotten thrown into the 3000. Crossing my fingers that that's not happening. If you're listening, coach, don't throw me in the 3000. But you know, just expanding your horizons and yeah, taking that step out of your comfort zone, like you said, Abby. Do you have any pre-race or post-race advice, whether it be your rituals or something you recommend doing? Let's start with pre-race, I guess. So my first thing is to eat familiar foods, especially with someone who struggles with nutrition. You know, making sure you kind of know what works for your body before you um, run, because I had the unfortunate thing of, it was Schenectady, my freshman year it was so cold and if you know me like I get cold very easily so I'm always cold so we were up in the cats not the Catskills area but a little bit by the Catskills area so it was cold that week and it's October first week of October so my dad got me hot chocolate because he was like you know this will warm you up it'll be great because I didn't really pack heavy <laughs> it was bad packing so I drank the whole hot chocolate and then probably about 30 minutes after I drank the hot chocolate, we were on the line to start running. And the whole time, I could just feel the hot chocolate in my stomach, I just felt so nauseous. So don't drink hot chocolate before you race. And just eat regular foods. I would suggest, I've never done it, but I would suggest trial and practice at practice. So like seeing, testing out foods for practice, like what food might work before practice. And then usually that food will work before meats. Sometimes it doesn't work. If it doesn't, 
If it works at practice, it might not work for meats, but usually it will. But an even better thing that you can do is eat that food before time trials, which is like a simulation of a race. It is a race. So you can kind of test out what foods and what foods don't work. Because under stress, your food will process differently and it might feel differently. So just making sure you eat familiar foods and you'll get the hang of it. It'll take a lot of trial and error. You might mess up a couple of times and it might affect a race, but you'll get into a routine and then you'll know what your body needs before you run. Second thing is for pre-race is so get some team time and then get some alone time. So I love to hang out with my team. I love to warm up with them. I love to get ready for a race with them because it helps me distract myself from my nerves. But it's also, I also need time to think for myself and, you know, get myself in the right mindset. So, you know, spending time with the team and then also, you know, just I like to, I like to on the bus specifically, you know, I like to take a nap before my races or just like, you know, sit there with music and just be alone. Um, because I think for me, it just resets and uh, recharges myself when I'm alone so that I can go be with people afterwards. Like as an introvert, I need to have time to myself before I get have time with everybody else. Okay, next thing is remember everybody else feels pretty much just as nervous as you are from you to even the most elite runners like everybody's nervous for the race and it's it's a normal thing to be nervous for so just talking it out will help but just remember everyone's just just as nervous and they're facing just the same things as you are before the race and then my last piece of advice i know i'm going on so long (laughs) my last piece of advice is to have some motivation for the race like i know that sounds cliche but like know your why like why are you running this race because if you don't have motivation to push past that pain during the race you're not gonna run a very good race it's not gonna feel very good So you should always have like some sort of motivation, whether like you chant something inside your head or you have a goal in mind, something to help you distract yourself from the pain during the race. And just some like nutrition advice, especially going into track or cross country. There is, I know it's different for everyone. Some people like the carb load, some people don't. I personally don't because I find that foods that I just usually eat on a day-to-day basis helps me feel good for the race the next day but then again it's good to experiment I guess for me I think one of my worst experiences with carb loading it has was really recent I think it was towards state qualifiers for indoor oof that was uh that was a there was a mess so I guess the night before my mom like suggested because I've always kept in the back of my mind that Carb loading is good for longer races for because I was running 3,000. But if you think about it, you really don't really need to carb load unless you're going, I guess, a half marathon or a marathon. So I guess it was a shock to my system because I've never carb loaded ever before a race. And especially with a race that important, it was really tough. I think I missed my PR by... I want to say around maybe 20 seconds. It was really, it was pretty bad. And I was second to last at state qualifiers. And so I just want to say you can experiment with your foods, but try not to do it before a really important event or meet. I don't know what was going through my head. I really don't know. I had like maybe two and a half pounds of pasta. I don't even know, but it was some crazy amount. So I, I now know that I can stick to foods that I'm used to eating and feel fine for a race. It's different for everyone. Who knows? Maybe two and a half pounds of pasta will fuel someone for a really big feat. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. And talking about that just a little bit more, um, everybody has their own type of comfort. I know I prefer, some people prefer to run on emptier stomachs, but I actually prefer to run with a fuller stomach, like not a completely full stomach, but like I'm kind of known, like my teammates know, like I eat before I run, like just pretty much anything. Like I'll have peanut butter bites. That was my thing in freshman year, peanut butter bites. I'd eat peanut butter pretzels right before practice, literally standing five minutes before practice, just eating a whole bag of them because it, it worked for me. But, you know, I'll stand there before meats, before we get on the bus, you know, eating pasta. And like, I prefer to have a fuller stomach. Like I eat a lot before races um, just because it's what I'm used to. But some people prefer to run emptier stomachs. So everybody kind of has that difference. So 
test it out, find out what one you like better, whether you like to run on an empty stomach, a full stomach, what types of food you like to have. So it's all up to you. It's up to your body, what feels good. All right. So on to our last question. And this has been brought up and I'm pretty sure we've mentioned some answers to this. But what about stress management for the high school? I guess we'll also, we'll go back later, I guess, to post-race advice, because I forgot to talk about that a little bit. But as for stress management, so for academics, you know, it's having having that discipline and time management, just getting down to things, delete. So, I mean, it's different for everyone. I know for me personally, just delete social media off your phone during the school year, because it's just so easy to get sucked in on your phone. Like, you could have it out on your laptop for when you're done with schoolwork and you're already but having it on your phone make like looking at that you know it's a distraction and you don't want to waste time with that um a lot of my friends will completely put their phone on do not disturb and shove it like under a pillow <laughs> you do it yes so i don't know but as hard as it sounds either put an app limit on tiktok or delete tiktok i cannot explain to you there i think there's been quite a few days over quarantine where i just looked at tiktok just for like me i was telling myself oh i'm just gonna go on for like five minutes i got sucked in for a few hours so just be very very careful with what you choose to view and in the end like the less you spend time from it i guess at least for me, the better I feel, the more productive I feel. So yes, please, as hard as it sounds, please just kind of be careful with that. Yeah, it's the hardest thing is to just delete the app. That's the hardest thing because once you have it deleted, it's harder to get it back. So just delete it and you're good. Put the phone aside, you know, because I'll text, you know, in the middle of my homework, I'll text a friend being like, do you know how to solve this problem? And they won't respond until like 10 o'clock after they finish their homework. And I know that's because they're setting aside their distractions and focusing just on schoolwork so they can get it done, get in bed, sleep, and get rested. That's one thing for academics. And just going back, if you need a study hall, take a study hall. Like, I was very adverse to taking a study hall. Like, just my personality was like, no, I don't need a study hall. It's going to look bad. I'm not going to be good enough, you know. But it's like, you know, you kind of realize what works for you, what do you need, and a study hall is perfectly okay. Perfectly okay. As for stress management for running, it's funny, we always joke around how running is supposed to relieve your stress, but we feel like it's the opposite. It creates our stress. And it does. I'm not going to lie. Like, running does make you stressed. I, I would, and I still do. Track, I get very nervous for my races. I'll be sitting I'll be sitting in class, and I'll be thinking about my race, and I'll suddenly start to, like, breathe, like, more, like, start, I don't know what you call it. Like, not hyperventilate, but, like, my breathing will speed up, you know, I'll kind of, like, my body will prepare to be in a race, even though I'm not in a race yet. So I would get very nervous, which is why I never really visualize my races, because then, you know, my body just assumes I'm in a race and I'll just start acting like I'm in a race. So I just never visualize my race because I just get very nervous. So what I do is I always distracted myself with the team. Just, you know, being with the team, warming up with them, knowing that we're all nervous, everybody's all nervous, and it's okay to be nervous. You can never really get rid of the nerve, but you can definitely do things to help yourself, you know, get rid of the nerve. You know, just being with the team, maybe, maybe you want to be by yourself. Like for me, the team always distracted me from my nerves, but you might have a different way of managing your stress. But it's always going to be there. I think sophomore year, it got better because freshman year, I was nervous for cross-country races and for track races. But sophomore year, I was kind of like, okay. It was kind of like after a year of running, I was kind of like, all right, I'm not nervous anymore. I can't tell you how to get to that point, but, you know, you'll your stress will decrease a little bit as you keep going on. It won't ever fade completely, but it'll it'll decrease. Another thing for stress, and I think we deal with stress as runners a lot because we have pressure placed upon us, maybe by ourselves, maybe by our coaches, our parents, our friends. Somebody places pressure on us, and I feel that, you know, even for relays especially, like, you feel the pressure of, you know, not messing up. But just think about everybody's, everybody on our team's a runner, the coaches are a runner, and nobody's going to hate you if you kind of run bad or you have a bad race because everybody's had them. So, you know, it's one bad race in a whole season and that your worth as a runner doesn't lie on your times. It more lies as you as an athlete, your endurance, your grit, your passion, your perseverance in the sport. Like, that's what makes you a runner. Your worth is not based upon that PR, which is nice to have, but it's not based upon that PR. You're more than just a number at the end of the day.
Yeah, and just kind of thinking back, because I joined high school team, if you haven't seen previous episodes, my eighth grade year. Um, I just recently just graduated eighth grade. <laughs> Thank you, Rena. <laughs> but yeah, I just kind of wish I took eighth grade year. Maybe I don't want to say a little less seriously in terms of cross country and track, but I just wish I put less pressure on myself because Thinking about it, eighth grade year, I'm not even in high school. I'm not even in high school yet. So I really could have taken advantage of that time to just run to run, if that makes sense. Yeah, but now going into the high school, I guess, I mean, I can still do that. But now that I'm in the high school, a lot of stuff is being, is going to be looked at, especially if I am going on to college. So I just kind of wish I took that year to kind of run to run and just like me care still care about my races and still care about my performance but not on the level that it would make me so stressed before every single race I'm trying to find you mentioned something good i'm trying to find i retweeted it on the runaround so check out the runaround it's rena's runaround at twitter so check that out i think i retweeted a quote from this one of the elite athletes who's a high schooler the athlete i'll post it on um the website later, the athlete was kind of like, isn't it so wonderful just to run to run? And I think especially during quarantine, you know, when we don't have races, we don't have organized practice, it's just us on our own. And I think, you know, just running to run because we like it is such an important thing. Because I know for me, applying, applying this thing to books, like I love to read personally, but the second that a teacher assigns me a book to read, the book reading becomes a chore instead of something I like to do. So just making sure that you focus on why you love to run and why you are running so that when, you know, you're ready to quit, you kind of think about, you know, your reason for running and taking time to realize that just run to run sometimes. Just run for fun. Um, I guess I'll go back to post-race advice too. For track, you might end up running a couple races during the meet. I know, Abby, you've run like three for leagues and usually two. In my freshman year, I usually ran two races. I ran the 1,000 and then either the 4x4 four four or the 4x8. This year, I was lucky enough to only have run one race every meet. I barely ran two races for a meet this year, so I was lucky for track. But so post-race advice is refuel, especially if you have a second race. So make sure you have enough carbs, protein, and for me especially, electrolytes. I know I get headaches if I don't get enough like salt and uh, electrolytes, so making sure you load up on not load up, but just refuel what you burned during your race. If you refuel right, you can PR in two events. Because for leagues, I PR'd in both the 1,000 and in the 4x8. So if you do it right, you can do top performance in both. I'm not saying that you always will have top performances, because usually I'll have a good 1,000 race and then an eh, uh, relay. But if you do it really right, you can have really two really great races. Cool down. Uh, I know cooling down is something that gets skipped by a lot of athletes, and I've skipped it too, but it really just gets the lactic acid moving out of your legs, and, you know, you, it'll feel better the next day if you just do the cool down. You don't have to do a long cool down, just, you know, a couple of laps, you know, a couple of minutes, just cooling down, and celebrate. I mean, you're done with the race. Once you're done with all of your races, if you run multiple, celebrate. You know, you're done. You did it. This is cool. Yeah, be happy. You're done for the day. And if you have a bad race, you know, don't dwell on the bad race because you'll get a good one eventually. You can be disappointed in the moment, you know, because I mean, I'm not gonna lie, when I don't get a PR or I have a really bad race, like I'm very disappointed. But don't dwell on it. Like, get, like let yourself be disappointed. Go through that emotion, but then kind of push through that emotion and start getting ready for the next race. Start being motivated. Now you have motivation even more to have a good race. Now I always find it's like good race, bad race, good race, bad race for me. Like it's after every bad race, I'll have a good race. So just kind of push through that feeling. You stand back up and get ready to run again. Okay. So I have a little surprise segment. It's not the game. The game will come a little bit after, but I'm going to call this the snack attack segment. So, okay. So as you were mentoring, mentioning, <laughs> mentioning our pre and post race fuel, what is your favorite pre-race meal, post-race meal? And I guess if you want to be a little bit more fun your optimal post-race meal like if you could dream about it okay go 
Okay, so pre-raised meal is very easy for me. I love to have a bagel with egg, ham, and cheese. That it's just something I always have and I go get it in school because our school, I mean our school serves bagels, bagel, egg, and either sausage or ham. I always get the ham one. And so I always like to just eat it because it, it tastes good for me. And for me, it has, you know, carbs and protein. So it's all good for me all around. That's my favorite pre-race meal. My favorite post-race would be, okay. So I love smoothies. So my favorite post-race meal would be a smoothie. As for food, I guess just pasta as my, um, so it'd be, you know, pasta and then a smoothie. So that would, that would be my perfect post-race. And I usually do have smoothies after my races, so. Yeah, for me, I guess it's really hard because I'm a typically a very indecisive person. But when it comes to pre-race, I always usually have oatmeal, like any kind of oatmeal. I usually do a recipe. It could be like chocolate, it could be date and nut butter or something like that. But oatmeal for me has also, it's always been substantial and it's always not been too heavy on my stomach. In terms of post-race, okay, so I'm not really one for kind of like liquid sustenance, if that makes sense. I love smoothies, but I find that I finish my drinks way too fast. <laughs> so that's an issue. And so usually post-race, anything that my mom makes is great. Usually I will probably have some kind of dessert. I'm a major sweet tooth. So it's usually cake, mug cake, or any kind of dessert that's sweet afterwards. Of course, after dinner, after the actual meal itself. And then in terms of my like optimal ideal meal, like my dream post-race meal, this sounds weird, but I think I would have like a big breakfast, like a big breakfast platter. I'm I'm one for breakfast food. I love breakfast food. So I guess it would be a big breakfast, maybe an English breakfast, maybe okay. an English breakfast. So <laughs> yeah. All righty. Yeah, I, I'm not a big breakfast person except for like the egg sandwich and then pancake and like breakfast sausage. Yeah. Okay. So finally on to our game segment, which is our riddles for today. Mind you, this was kind of hard to find because my ELA teacher has so many different riddles I could have put out, but I'm also really bad <laughs> at kind of solving riddles. So here is this one. Honestly, you will probably get it within the first minute, but what has a foot on each end? and one in the middle. Okay, so my first guess, just, you know, thinking right off the top of my head, was, and I promise I didn't search any of these up, was a tripod table, because, like, <laughs> like a table with three legs, because if you think foot, I don't know. That was my first guess, because I was thinking one here, one here, and then one in the middle. Oh, um, that was my first guess. Is that? That is a very creative answer, but that is not the answer. All right, so then my second one, is it a yard, as in the unit of measurement? Yes, yard? it is. Okay. It is. It's a yardstick. Right. It's a yardstick. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so do you have a riddle for me today? Okay. I do. So it's a very long process um, to come. Let me just say, because I'm not a clever person, like, Okay. And I promise I didn't search these up. So if they're out there, I didn't search. I didn't search them up and take them off. I my mom can attest. I completely we texted back and forth last night thinking of riddles without looking at the internet. So if it's on the internet, oh, I came wow. up with it by myself. So okay. I'm very proud of myself. Yay! So you'll probably get it though because it's kind of easy. But why does a runner have so many miles on their shoes? Why does a runner have? so many miles on their shoes on their shoes okay hmm okay hmm. is this a pun yes kind it's of kind of a pun yes. okay i know i had to think like coach sing for this one. Oh goodness coach sing always gets me always gets me with these oh goodness okay huh 
I might ask for a hint in a little bit, but I want to see if I can figure this out because I feel like that my issue with these is that I always overthink them. I had so many like silly riddles yesterday. Like I would just throw out a question and not have an answer for it. My mom's like, you can't ask that riddle. I'd be like, what walk left, left, right, right? And my mom's like, I don't know. And I'm like, I don't know either, but. <laughs> <laughs> left, left, right. I might need the hint. Okay, think of summer. Summer. Think of summer. <laughs> think of summer. Okay, so hint. I like your hair tie. Summer. Oh, thank you. It's a it's a scrunchie. It just helps keep my hair up without ripping my hair out, yes. like some of the hair ties. Okay. In the summer, we do a lot of like pre-season practice, but I don't. That can't be the answer to this riddle because that's just too technical. That's just too obvious. This is interesting summer i do a lot of conditioning in the summer <laughs> goodness knows how many pairs of shoes i've worn through oh that's a good hint for anyone watching this podcast check the soles of your um the pads of your shoes if they're flat then it's time to get new ones westchester roadrunner i don't know if they're open now but right them they got great shoes and if mm -hmm. you're a athlete depending on the time that you go you might get like a 10 to 20 right. not sponsored yes, by them though. <laughs> yes so okay i might need another hint because i have no idea why this one riddle is just like boggling my mind there's so many different answers to this okay well okay so the next hint is gonna kind of be like vague because if i say a hint it'll give it all away so this one is oh. travel 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 summer and then travel i'm just gonna tell you now that i can already tell that this is a really good riddle <laughs> within the next 30 seconds if i don't get this you might have to say the answer because i could be here for a couple of hours okay because these are this i've never had a running riddle before is it, is it because that they okay are you ready travel to different places wearing the running shoes all right you want to hear the answer okay because every summer they go cross country oh my gosh that is so clever that they go cross country because that's true pre-season you're in cross country but pre-season's in the summer so you're basically already in the cross country season that's so cool thank you we had a couple of variations with the same answer so i was trying to like make it so that like it wasn't obvious with the question what the answer would be so, like some of them was what kind of vacation does a runner like best a cross country vacation so like it was trying to find you know the right question uh... to ask that's that's clever but yeah that was that was a great riddle i can't stop thinking about that that was great thank you yours was too oh thank you it wasn't original i'm just gonna tell you that now i'm really bad at coming up with them on my own so yeah <laughs> thank you rena for joining us on this episode thank you for letting me take over i know it was a little bit different but i hope i did okay yeah you did um, amazing yeah. thank you it's a pleasure it was an honor to be interviewed <laughs> Thank by you. you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. The Runaround with Rena is created by me. Follow my podcast on Twitter at Rena's Runaround. Stay tuned for the next episode.